Welcome to What Are We Singing? Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about a new project I've been working on called Worship with the Word and the ways the Lord has asked me to go about putting it all together. I have a dream of starting a school around the worshiper and the musicianary. This school will be firmly rooted in the Word of God. In fact, I was doing a course last fall in church history, and I came across a guy named Lewis Sperry Schaefer, who in 1906 taught a music school or music at a boys' school. Now, he had a moment with God when he was teaching because he saw that he needed to teach them the Bible. And it was this very time, this is 1906, when he had the word of the Lord say to him that he needed to start a Bible school. Sperry went on, uh, Schaefer, sorry, not Sperry, Schaefer went on to start what is now called the Dallas Theological Seminary, which is one of the most premier alma maters of the most influential megachurch pastors we have today. The Lord reminded me that the word of God in the hands, mouth, and hearts of musicians can change nations. So I took a little advice from somebody very dear to my heart who has recently graduated into the arms of the father, Lauren Cunningham, who said, do first and then teach. So I began to write songs directly from scripture, not embellishing the words, adding to them or taking anything away. And I set to create an acoustic album of 12 songs that I believe the Lord asked me to release one new song for every month for the next year. This project literally becomes the launching pad of things that I'm teaching online. It becomes the inspiration of what I believe we need in the church now more than ever. And it's the North Star as I lead, write, teach, create, and inspire others to do the same. I believe the Lord told me to keep it simple and playable so that people can use it in their churches, communities, and home groups. So we set to make it good on just an acoustic, just me and an acoustic guitar. We would love to be able to take each of these songs to the next level production-wise by having a recording that has a full band on it. So we've started a Facebook fundraiser to reach our goal of $600 to cover the cost to turn just one song into a fully produced sound. I would like to ask you if the ministry of Trent and Siobhan Music has blessed you, if you'd consider heading on over and giving towards that goal as a way of saying thank you and a way of just going along with us and saying, I believe we can. 10 or $20 can go a long way. The new song, Like Eagles, is available now on streaming platforms everywhere, and I'll put links in the show notes as well. All right, now on to the podcast. Last week, I asked you all to let me know which of two songs you wanted me to do to take a deep dive into. So let's get into it. So last week, I asked you all a question. Should I do a deep dive into the new song Climbing the Charts by Phil Wickham called This Is Our God, or should I do a deep dive into the other new song Climbing the Charts by Cody Carnes called Take You At Your Word? I heard from none of you about these songs, which confirmed my suspicion of what I was already feeling and that was I probably, like you, didn't want to talk about either of these songs. For one, these songs, though they are rising in the Planning Center charts, showing that churches are actually singing them, these songs are so forgettable. For two, 
I actually want to talk about a song and it's a legacy song. It's on the charts, though it's steady. It's not been climbing much, but it hasn't declined. Um, and I have a suspicion that it's going to be a legacy song. And I need to explain legacy song. By a legacy song, I mean I, a song I know everybody's going to sing. And I'll talk about legacy songs more toward the end of this episode. But of the two songs I've mentioned, I decided not to talk about. I don't want to be so critical about these. I don't want to be so critical about these songs in particular because I don't necessarily think that these are bad songs. I've just been leading worship for over two decades now, and I can't seem. I can't even begin to tell you the amount of times that I have sang a song and it's come and gone, and I don't remember it. If I heard some of these songs today, I legitimately wouldn't remember most of them and probably just for style's sake would wonder why I ever presented some of these songs to our church in the first place. Side note, I'm very different than my wife in this regard. She seems to remember every single song she's ever done. Uh, She remembers all the songs to her plays that she's been in. I've been in plays in high school, but I don't remember any of the songs, like barely. But she remembers like all the lyrics. So, I mean, obviously different types of personalities can lead to different things. It's a lot harder for me to memorize songs just naturally. I have to work harder at it. But um, especially on worship songs that tend to have the same kind of chord progression often, um, I just find that they can get lost in translation and just kind of stuck in the bottom of the pile of songs over the years that I will never sing again. These two songs are simply that. They're forgettable. Ten years from now, you're not going to remember them. I'm not going to remember them. No one will be pulling up these songs on YouTube to wonder if anyone has done a deep dive on them. If I were being critically mean, I would say that ChatGPT most likely wrote these. And because Wickham and Carnes have the trust from us by way of songs like This is Amazing Grace and The Blessing, we simply hear it and say, I like that it's upbeat. I need to do one of those to start my church service with. No real thought to what are we singing and why are we singing that? So is there legitimacy to us doing fuff and fluff and fun songs just to begin the day or the week? I mean, sometimes, but when is it too much? I mean, I've done fun songs just because, but usually when I'm doing them, I'd rather do something that people know because again, I kind of want to have fun. I don't want to just perform. I'm grateful to gather and sing. I really am. And I'm overwhelmingly grateful we have the freedom to sing in our churches in North America together with other believers today. We might have forgotten, but just about four years ago now, we've had many states, governors, city officials, and judges mandate against gatherings and singing together in an assembly. No matter what side of the conversation you're on, it happened. On the other hand, the believer is taught to worship God because of who God is, not because we like the song or not then we have to say something that I can take on personally and say I've failed so many times in bringing to the people of God a song or songs that truly connect the believer to God in in their heart, in, in what they want to say and what they need to sing. I have had the experience as a worship pastor of having my lead pastor tell me that I'm doing too many new songs and I'm grateful for that sharpening. Sometimes I get it. As a worship leader, you can't win for losing. You're never going to have the perfect worship set. 
people are fickle. And in today's world, everyone is a critic. I have the experience, background, and credentials to actually be a critic, which is why I don't want to be a critic. But I'm also not going to go to the cop-out line that says, I'm not choosing songs because of the people. I'm choosing them because of Jesus. Because that's too easy to say in order to spiritually get you off the hook to actually minister to and care for the people that the Lord has brought to you. I'm just thinking of a story that I had. I was with my pastor and the executive pastor, and we were at a camp at one point. And I just lovingly said to one of the youth guys who was leading worship that night, I wasn't leading worship. It was one of the youth guys from a different church because we had combined churches. And I just said, oh, awesome, man. Like, I'm so excited uh, you're leading worship tonight. Thank you for doing that. And he looked at me. He's like, I'm not leading. So serious. (laughs) So serious. He was like, bro, I'm not leading worship. Jesus is leading worship. And I was like, uh, okay. I don't even know what I responded to that. I'm sure if the other people there standing room, they would read my face so that I was probably saying many other things. But my point is this, people matter. They are the Lord's people. And of course, you've been called to serve them well. So I get it. Everyone's a critic. I've been guilty of taking the worship set too seriously and getting it so wrong. I've been also guilt. I've been also guilty of treating it way too loosely and also messing things up. But I guess I err on the side of taking it too seriously. To me, it matters what songs we do. 52 weekends out of the year can seem easy to some to curate worship set lists for, and to others, it can be so overwhelming. On our website, worshipwiththeword.com, I have some suggested song lists that can help. I love singing new songs to the Lord. I believe that's scriptural. Psalm 98, 1, Psalm 40, verse 3. Psalm 40, verse 3 is the one I use all the time. It's usually my go-to exhortation. I will sing a new song to the Lord, a hymn of praise to my God that many will see and fear and come to know him. I use that all the time. But I'm also weary of new song fatigue. I may be a little biased, but I have a great teaching on how to lead new songs in your church on my Worship with the Word course that I'll be releasing soon. Shameless plug. Okay, back to my point. I don't want to talk about or lead songs simply because the masses of other churches are doing them and they are climbing in the charts. Granted, there may be something to a song's popularity, but I believe that if I'm my own judge of that, then I do a service to my church by showing them that I care about what they're singing, that it's full of the Spirit of God for them and for their story today. Besides, what are we really saying to our church when we begin our church services with a model that says, I just picked this because it sounded like you'd like it? When I first began to lead worship, I found it pretty common that worship leader friends of mine uh, would kind of make it a, a standard to not do more than two new songs a month. And they would cycle those through the rotation. I think this came from Paul Balash and friends in the Maranatha workshop days. This was back in the 90s. This was before YouTube and streaming when people actually knew how to play their instruments because they had to practice their music from lead sheets versus clicked play on multi-tracks. Is that too far? Did I dig too much? But that would be about 24 new songs a year, give or take Christmas songs. Here's a suggestion I have. If you're doing that, throw that out. Don't do that anymore. We're all getting new song fatigue. Consider grabbing the songs you know your church loves to sing. I call these legacy songs. 
And even if it's a new one, like Holy Forever, I just talked about this a few weeks ago, do that one song for the next six weeks and learn to lead it with new inspiration from the Lord every week. I once had a worship leader ask me, um, and this was at a time when our church was doing six weekend services. I don't recommend that. I don't really personally ever want to ever want to go back to that. And I have my own personal opinions on leading worship or, or church services on Saturdays. Uh, maybe that's a whole different conversation. But let me tell you this. At one point, we would do six weekend services. And I had a worship leader from another church who would come to our Saturday services. That was probably one of the main benefits I, I particularly liked because, you know, we would get a chance to minister to other pastors in town. Well, this one worship leader asked me one time, he's like, how do you keep it so fresh from one service to the next? And I thought about that for a second and I said, well, how do you keep it fresh from one week to the next? I know it seems silly, but do I need the Holy Spirit to have a Shekinah moment with me in a whole brand new different way, uh, be, you know, weeks between a song? Well, on the one hand, yeah, I absolutely do. Um, on the other, man, I want to be in communion with the Lord and of course I want it to be fresh. And so I'm going to purpose to make it authentic and fresh and I'm going to do the work to intentionally make that song fresh as many times as possible. I do not like plug and play worship. Okay. I, I don't like the karaoke worship where we just, Hey guys, welcome to church. Boom. Do your song, hit it and then be done and then go like, no. So from service to service, even across six services, yes, there would be a, a, a portion where we would try to keep things in sync and do the same. But I took advantage of the time between the songs, those spontaneous moments in the middle of a song to make it fresh because there were people there and I wanted to lead people and I wanted to connect people to the Lord. So I want to encourage you to try something like this on the positives of doing one new song every week for the next six weeks, your band will really know how to play that song in their sleep. Uh, you'll be able to sing it without having to stare at the Asherah pole called the confidence screen on the back wall. Did I take that too far again? And the people God has called you to serve will also know it well. On the negatives, this is a whole new discipline for worship leaders to learn. I always find it astounding that worship leaders, worship pastors, people who aren't even, they're just, they're, they're just lay people. They, for some reason, feel more confident to sing the song, but very not confident to speak in front of people, even though they just got done singing. It's kind of the time between the songs is what I say. And maybe this goes into, you know, the human being's natural, like fear of speaking in front of people. Uh, I, I gather, but I just, to me, it doesn't seem much different singing in front of people. I would feel that that's scarier than speaking in front of people. But so, so it is a whole new discipline for worship leaders to learn how to lead a song over and over and over again while still, while still keeping it fresh. This sounds like a new teaching that I might want to just sidebar. You might need to explain why you're doing this. Heaven forbid you talk to your congregation in your microphone. Here's the hardest one, though. Your pastor might not go for this. But as I've counseled countless churches 
and pastors in how to re-engage their church in worship. I'm telling you, every time this works. You can just say, hey, so I was listening to this homeless guy who lives in his van down by the river, and he said I should ask you to consider letting me lead this one song every week for the next six weeks. What Are We Singing is a listener-supported podcast. It's a ministry of Trent and Siobhan Ministries where we teach and train the worshiper and the musicianary. We are so thankful for your support, especially as we come into this new year of 2024 where we are launching some really new projects, specifically under the branch called Worship with the Word. Within this project is new song releases, online courses, and seminars in our hopes to one day start a school around the worshiper and the musicianary, teaching them the word of God. We're so excited about this. This month, specifically, we have a new single coming out soon called Like Eagles, based on Isaiah 40. But we couldn't do it without you. Your support is so crucial, especially in a time as we're building something new. We need all the prayer and all the help we can get. If you would like to know more, you can follow worshipwiththeword.com or go to trentandshavon.com to contribute. Every little bit counts. Thank you all so, so much. Now that I've destroyed your desire to do either one of these songs, allow me to backtrack a little because Planning Center is saying you are doing these two songs. I can see the stats, so whether I have an opinion on it or not, I do want to point us to Jesus and be a helpful guide if you are doing these songs. First things first, can we please memorize our lyrics? I think of one of the main reasons that people don't connect to worship in church is that we're all looking at a digital monitor of pixels as we read through the songs. When I talk to somebody, I'm looking at them in their eyes, just like I'm doing right now. And when I'm talking to somebody and they're not looking at me, I genuinely feel like they're not really paying attention. So when I'm on stage, I want to look at people. I want to engage with their eyes. I'll scan the crowd. I mean, obviously you stare at one person too long. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel really weird and awkward, but you get my point, right? When you're connecting with people with their eyes, they're encouraged to sing. I don't even need to say the words, would you sing with me? If I'm singing and I look at people in their eyes, they want to sing. It was a nonverbal as if I'm saying to them, would you sing with me? They actually want to sing and they, they, they do. It, it's a strange phenomenon how that works. But if I have a confidence screen, everybody can see that. Especially like if, especially if you're leading worship to an online audience, if you're staring at a confidence monitor, like, I don't know, it's just not the same as a teleprompter. And I've tried this sometimes. Maybe you've seen this on our YouTube channel, uh, you know, working with a teleprompter. I do believe that it would help. But for me, I, I definitely don't have a problem talking. It's just sometimes I have a script that I'm like, oh, I don't want to forget to say that. And so I will make sure that I have those notes in front of me. As you can see that I'm looking down to keep my notes in front of me also. But connecting with the eyes is really important. Everybody knows you're staring at a confidence screen on the back wall. So try stop trying to make it look like you're not doing that. So this means that you should memorize your lyrics. And again, like I've shared with you before, this is one of the hardest things for me. Uh, but I still do it because I want to connect with people and I want people to connect with my Heavenly Father. How many artists or bands or cover bands or performance performers do you know who use a confidence screen? None. I rest my case. 
memorize your lyrics. And lastly, I want to encourage us all to know the word of God when it comes to the songs we're singing. So rather than digging into these two songs, as I've already told you, I'm not going to do that. I want to show you how to approach leading a song like these, leading these songs, leading a song like this. Does that make sense? I use notes called a worship guide, and I have worship guides available at worshipwiththeword.com, especially for these songs even, and the songs like I've done in deep dives before. And I keep it on a music stand in front of me to help me quickly recall the passages of scripture that pertains to the song I'm singing. Now, as I said earlier, like if I'm doing a new song, I will say that scripture, Psalm 40, verse 3. I'll sing a new song to the Lord, a hymn of praise to my God, so that many can see and fear and come to know him. But what's really powerful is if I can engage other people to say that scripture also. As the worship leader, I want to make it a point to know the word of God and let it come from my mouth and from my heart without me having to look at a page. Just like when I'm singing a song, I want to be able to sing it with confidence so I know I need to have those lyrics so in me that I can sing it without having to look at a confidence screen. But it's really powerful when you encourage people to say that passage of scripture. So here's an example right? I'll have it on a music stand in front of me to, to repeat a scripture. And I'll encourage people to repeat a passage of scripture along with me by saying something like this. Hey, before we sing this song, could we speak the promises of God together? Say this with me. Or if it's after a song, I'll say something like, wow, those lyrics made me so thankful for what the Lord has promised in his word. Would you say this Bible verse with me? And then say the verse together. You can even put it on the screen because they're looking at the screen anyway. But I want to put an especially real challenge out to you. It looks better when you have the Bible in front of you. It really does carry more authority when you actually read from the Word of God. And if you read from the Word of God and they have it on the screen, man, that's really powerful. If you read from the Word of God, people will be encouraged to know the word of God for themselves and not just from a phone, not from an iPad, like open up your Bible with pages. Okay. I mean, there's so many of you out there that'll be like, well, you know, the Bible is spoken word for a long time. Yeah, but we don't know it. We have the written word. And so thankfully we do. Let's actually put it spoken in our heart again. Let's sing it again. Let's worship with the word again. Okay. So that's enough from me for today. Next week, I will do a deep dive into the song I mentioned earlier called King of Kings by Hillsong. We're going to do a bit of history into the Apostles' Creed and ask ourselves the question, what are we singing? <laughs>